awful, hated it, didn't want to come to work. And if I didn't think he was coming in, I felt a huge sense of relief. Uh, you know, literally if he called in sick or if he was caught in traffic. And then the minute he walked out the door, you could feel the day drain away. Like the whole atmosphere was horrendous. And there's nothing worse than waking up in the morning, particularly when it's your family business and not wanting to walk to the front door of the building your parents are. And it's ridiculous. But it, I don't quite know how it got so bad. It, I, it just seemed to happen over a period of time. It sort of, I don't know, the poison dripped through and it got gradually worse. Welcome to the She Leads Business Show for female owners and leaders of small and medium-sized businesses. You are in the right place if you want a more aligned success, to make a greater impact and to have happy, engaged, high-performing and inflow teams that you trust to get the job done. Allowing you to ditch the stress and firefighting, to focus on your most fulfilling high-value work and to have the financial and time freedom to live the life you truly desire and deserve. I'm your host, Una Doyle, founder of creativeflow.tv, and I'm a speaker, business strategist, and impact coach. Business owners and leaders hire me to help them to achieve impact-driven growth. Yet not every business owner is in the position to hire me, so I created this podcast, and in every episode, myself and my guests share the stories, strategies, and actionable wisdom to help you to achieve this too. Now, on with the show. Hello, 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 and welcome to She Leads Business. I am thrilled to have with us today Nicola Barden from BSF Solid Surfaces Limited, and she is the managing director of this firm. Welcome, Nicola. Well, thank you for inviting me. Nice to meet you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> so, Nicola, tell us how, tell us a bit about yourself. Like, you know, where are you from? What was life like growing up for you? And like, how did you end up? being managing director. Okay, um, so I'm from Billericay in Essex, so I'm an original Essex girl. Um, my family business, my family um, had a shop fitting firm, so uh, my dad built his own house with my mum obviously, and grew up very, uh, we were lucky, we had lots of land to play on and all the rest of it. So I progressed through school, didn't have a clue what I wanted to do, went off to university, decided to do food and consumer studies, discovered that not really for me, I'm not very good at cooking or anything like that, and took on a job. The job did not pan out and my parents offered me a job here um, 21 years ago, which I considered at the time to be temporary and I'm still here 21 years later. So I progressed through the uh -huh. ranks. Yeah, I know, crazy. Um, progressed through the ranks. I started off as office manager. So we're talking a long time ago, really, in the days of dial-up internet and more like printed media and uh, no social media at all. So it was a completely different world. And since then I've progressed through the ranks, changed up to marketing manager, then marketing director. And then when my dad declared a couple of years ago, he wants to retire. At that point, I took on the role of managing director and my brother joined the firm at that point. He became production director. So it's been a journey. It's been interesting to say the least to be fair absolutely <laughs> absolutely so and it's interesting how often people they plan their career in one direction and they end up in doing something completely different yes but most of my friends that went to university not one of them is doing what they're trying to many of them have retrained 
Um, so I guess it's just a sign that when you're younger, you think you know what you're, you're talking about. You don't even realise what's available to you until you're in the big bad world. And then all of a sudden it's like, actually, I think I'd rather do that. And then, you know, if you have the opportunity, you go off and redo it all over again. So, yeah. Definitely. So it was never your plan to work in the family business? No, never. I know. It's ironic. It was the one thing that I hadn't banked upon at all. In fact, probably I was like the anti-family business person. You know, you always think you want to make your own way in the world and do your own thing and then discover that actually the family business is allowing you to do your own thing to a certain extent and make your own way because why wouldn't you want to grow the business that's already in existence? So and it, it took a while for me to work that out for myself, to be fair. But when I did, it was like, well, it's an obvious, an obvious thing to do. So, yeah fully invested now i think that's a yeah that's a really interesting point that i i think sometimes people feel and particularly because of the whole um oh, what would you call it yeah i don't know the kind of gary vaynerchuk effect or something yeah. about the whole thing of you must set up your own business to be an entrepreneur yeah. and you have to start it from scratch and you've got to do this whole hustle and grind and so I think there's this whole image yeah. around being around having a startup and starting a business yourself. Yeah. But actually, people can have amazing careers as an employee or as part of of a family business or as part of a partnership. I mean, definitely. So many people, they start businesses because they've seen something on social media <laughs> or maybe out of necessity. Maybe they lost their jobs or something yeah. and they don't realize what is actually really involved in running a business and actually being part of a team is incredibly valuable oh most definitely having those people around you they give you that rounded perspective so you think you're going off the right route and you're traveling down it and then someone goes actually do you know what why don't you turn 180 and then you think that was a lot a lot easier it's a better route and just because your mind doesn't necessarily go that way um i don't recall who said it recently but someone said don't employ lots of yourself you want to apply everybody that's different to you because why would you want to have you many times over and I was like do you know what yeah that'd be awful wouldn't it to be just faced with someone like you all the time because they're not bringing anything fresh to the table and that's what we all need is that everyone's mind is invested and we get their their information and their input so absolutely and I think where people do want people like you is in their attitude and values but in terms of their natural strengths and their skills and abilities, definitely. I, I remember one person I worked for back in my marketing days, and they said, you know, being a smart leader is about hiring people who are smarter than you. There is a lot to be said for that, definitely. Yeah, definitely, because you have to think about what you want them to bring to the table. And if you know that your skill set, for example, isn't, I don't know, illustration or writing or whatever, then you would always employ somebody that can do that because that's, that's their strength and they bring that, you know to the party and I, i'm a full advocate of that if you can't do it yourself get someone that can get them someone that can do it well so yeah we're a absolutely team. yep that's what it's all about teamwork makes the dream work it does <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's truth in these cliches <laughs> there is they've come from somewhere haven't they <laughs> so. they have they have indeed <laughs> absolutely so tell me a bit more about Nicola, so do you have any hobbies or any hobbies that you would like to have? 
Um, well, I've probably got plenty of hobbies I'd like to have. I like reading. I'm a, I do read a lot, not as much as I should, because time, particularly this year, seems to have just, I don't know, it's just gone somewhere, someone's stolen it from me. And um, I like play the piano. So again, I'm, you know, I'm a good pianist, but I don't play it enough. And I certainly should play it a lot more. And I like swimming, but that was something that got put on hold with lockdown, didn't it? So of been, course. So other than my parents' mm. pool, which I'm fortunate to have to use, I haven't actually been swimming for ages. So, but yeah, those those are hobbies I like. I always think about things like going to do aqua, like you know, um, submarine diving and things like that. But I um, don't think I'm that brave. Maybe one day. But <laughs> not at the moment. That sounds so cool. <laughs> submarine diving. Yeah, I'd love to do so it. Is that just you go into a submarine and it dies, or do you mean you dive I think from a submarine that's already submerged? I think I'm, well, I'm probably getting mixed up, but it's a yeah. When you go into sub aqua and you go underneath and you have all the the uh, the gear on and go and have a look at all the fishes and everything, but really deep, nowhere near the sharks though. I don't want to be anywhere near sharks. <laughs> in in the sea or in business? Any anywhere? Yeah, yeah, both. <laughs> just keep them away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic great just a little random question what would you pick for a last meal a last oh my god um this is gonna sound really really bonkers um ball, ball bacon and cabbage with mashed potato probably because i'm a proper irish uh, raised girl <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say that's like a real irish meal it's a real irish meal <laughs> And it cut the way my mum does, obviously. But yeah, that's one of my ah. favourites. Yeah. So. so, what does your mum do that makes it taste so nice? Uh, she puts the bacon. Uh, she, no, which way around does she do? She puts the cabbage in the juice from the bacon. So, nice. Yeah. Mm. So, very good. My mouth's watering. <laughs> <laughs> See, luckily you asked me after lunch. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> I like that random question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so one of the things that we've talked about is the fact that you are transitioning the leadership in your family business. Now, before we get into that, just tell me a bit more about what does the business do? How many staff do you do, have? How is it all structured? So, you know, we, we have a a context to understand your answers in okay so we make high-end kitchen countertops that sort of thing so not just those but display units um uh, retail display units all sorts of things from a material called solid surface which is a man-made stone and the difference between man-made stone and actual stone marble and granite is that you a there's lots of different brands that are available but you can manipulate it so you can curve it and shape it and make it into any size width length that you want and the beauty of the product is it's a non-porous product so a it, no water can go into it and no stains can stay on it and no nasty germs so it's very very good for hygiene it's used extensively in hospitals and places like that but because it is man-made and can be like glued together seamlessly it can also go into all the nooks and crannies so it's an ideal like, material for if you've got an irregular shape something in your wherever you want it to go so I mean, places where you'd find work we've done are places like London Transport Museum, National Gallery. Uh, we recently did Molten Brown. We did a load of display units and they look like a green egg. So I challenge you to go and have a have a gander. There's one in, um, I should probably say this, but it's in Blue Water. So have a, have a little look along there. So that's our speciality. So it's all man-made stone. 
effectively. There's uh, 15 of us, so we make up a team of 15. Uh, how I got here and all the rest of it is my mum um, is, well, she retired three years ago. So I think it's three years ago, all coming up to three years. And my father was talking about retiring at the end of this year. Uh, we'll see, because he's a very strong character. But um, so the path we're on at the moment is this transition where he is letting go of the reins, moving on to um, finding his own feet on the other side of retirement. And COVID has completely changed that landscape because he made the decision January. But effectively, he's not really been here since we returned from lockdown. So we came back in May. And it, I think we've been pushed, me and my brother, a little bit harder and a little bit quicker than maybe would have happened without it. So we've actually, the transition is it's difficult. But it's difficult for him, I think, more than maybe for us to a certain extent, because he's the one that doesn't um, feel needed sometimes. And being such a strong person, he needs to assert his authority, um, for want of a better word. So there, there are ways of dealing with people like that. And... Um, he's okay he's just he's just very strong so but that that's my, my journey really to where i am now and how we're transitioning forward we have a plan i can't say it's perfect because covid kind of threw it all up in the air and all the pieces landed but we have a plan moving forward from that and i think we're stronger for it actually i think our um our desire to succeed is even greater as a direct result of having to battle through this you know this year this 2020 <laughs> the year we all began saying it's my year <laughs> <laughs> it's the start of a new decade <laughs> and then we went oh oh dear I think, I think all the people who are saying well actually technically the start of the decade isn't until next year yeah. everyone's now going to go it's the start of a new ne- <laughs> yeah, decade you're right. in 2021 <laughs> we are. we're going to embrace that thought process <laughs> Just be glad to see the back, won't you? You know, there's not been all bad. It's not been great, but it's not all been bad, has it? So you've got to take some of the, the wins and the triumphs from the year as well. So Absolutely, absolutely. And and many people have discovered amazing things about themselves yeah. as a result of lockdown. What, what do you think you might have discovered for yourself? Um, I always knew I was strong because we'd been through a few things in my life, but... I've discovered an inner strength and a tenacity that I don't think I really realised. Um, I was absolutely determined not to let COVID beat me and or us. And so the, the plan started quite soon. But what it's made me do is things like this, which I would never have done a year ago. I've, I've been doing videos. Um, I'm just pushing myself more and more out of my comfort zone. And I think now started, I feel like every day I'm looking for something new to push myself out of my comfort zone. So that's the difference that's made me, made me more courageous, I think, because, you know, you kind of think, well, if I'm not going to let that be me. I'm going to keep fighting. Well, might as well do it with a bit of pizzazz. <laughs> so. Exactly. Why not? Yes. I, I think this is one of the things that some companies feel they can carry on doing the same things no. going forward and they can't. The, the landscape has changed. It's, it's, now, diff- it's going to be different forever. Yeah. It's never returning, is it? So we need to expect, expect it, embrace it and roll with it and make it ours. It's... And visibility is a, a really, really key part of that. Yeah. That brings me nicely into, we have a listener question from Kim Emson, from Kim Emson Anwitz. Lovely lady, by the way. I do actually happen to know her <laughs> as well. So she commented um, 
on a post where I was uh, asking for listener questions. And she asked, what is your most effective lead generation strategy? At the moment, we were actually reviewing this the other day, funnily enough. And at the moment, I would say LinkedIn for us is um, very effective if used correctly. So I do a lot of posting. I try to post, well, I do post most days. I try and post on the weekend. But it's a mixture of um, personal business related, um, my business related, as well as just general business related. And then obviously making good connections and engaging with your customer base. And that does well because you get to know people, people get to know you, you like them and you interact together. I've generated a lot of business, but I've also made a lot of friends. And I've also passed over a lot of business that way. So it works both ways. So for me, as a networking, I mean, at the end of the day, LinkedIn is what it is, isn't it? It works it's on the tin, LinkedIn, and it's a networking tool. So I use it for networking and I use it for content marketing. And I think if you are working hard at your content and letting people know and educating them on what you do, then you shouldn't have any issues with bringing people to you because you should attract those that would want to work with someone like you. And that's the idea, isn't it? You attract people that you want to work with and want to work with you. So the, I think, for the, particularly this year, people have changed what they want to see. They've changed what they want to know. They've been looking differently at things. And LinkedIn and social media in general has, I mean, it was always massive, but it's just had a massive uplift, hasn't it, as a direct result. So if I was going to tell anyone to do anything, it'd be LinkedIn. I, I've gotten a lot of business with LinkedIn myself so I can echo that <laughs> I I think yes when used correctly and uh, you know the, those people who are on LinkedIn like we've all had those spammy messages that's just like ugh. and really you just need to ignore them don't waste time on them just ignore them and focus on sharing yeah. adding value to other people and that's what it's all about you add value to other people and you will be able to leverage that somehow or another for sure I want to share an amazing resource with you that has really helped me to be more focused in my everyday work. So much so, in fact, that I've done this over 2,000 times so far. What is it? A video co-working platform called Focusmate.com. The platform matches you with a partner for a 50-minute video call where we work on our own projects and hold each other accountable. And here's how it works. At the beginning of every session, you have a quick intro and tell each other what you plan to focus on during that session, and then you get to work. At the end of the session, you check in with each other to see how you got on. And there's just something magical about this in-the-moment accountability and the energy of having another person there. And the first time I realised how much of an impact my Focusmate sessions were having was one day when I booked six sessions three in the morning and three in the afternoon. When I got to the end of the day, I was so tired and I had been super productive, got loads done. And I realised that these Focusmate sessions had stopped time leaks. For example, the three minute takes to boil the kettle that turns into 10 or 15 minutes as you scroll on social media. These days, if I'm not coaching, speaking or in a meeting, if it's working hours, I'm probably on a Focusmate session. I typically use them to work on my marketing and to do admin, but you can do whatever you want on them. Personally, I find it helpful to type what I'm doing into the chat box as I'm doing it, task by task. Another benefit I've received is that I've got much better at understanding how long it actually takes to do things, which has really helped me in my business planning. 
Now, you can do three sessions a week for free and it's only a few dollars a month for unlimited sessions. You can go and sign up at focusmate.com. Now, I know that you might be someone who's a little nervous at the thought of being matched with a stranger. So I'd like to invite you to book a Focusmate session with me. Simply go to creativeflow.tv forward slash Focusmate. And if I have some sessions booked, then you'll be able to match with me. So find the link in the description or type in creativeflow.tv forward slash Focusmate in your browser. I want to go back to talking about transitioning the leadership. Okay. And you said you have a plan. What are some key steps that you are doing to effect this transition? Now, I know obviously COVID came along and accelerated <laughs> some of that. <laughs> yes. But, but what were some of the steps of, well, how do you, particularly when you have someone who is a strong character, how... How does that, you know, what was the plan and how was that happening? Okay, so we started off um, in the beginning of the year talking about things that we could do with our clients. So things like offering them um, a training because our, our, our material, what we work with is quite often misunderstood and, um, you know, people shy away from it because they have questions that don't get answered and all the rest of it so we had decided at the beginning of the year what we'll do is we'll start offering some training to our customers and um, give them like a bit of insider information so that, was, um, that now obviously had to dive it had developed it changed and we are doing it as an online um with the second one i'm doing the second one this week so that's something that uh, massively altered uh, we were talking at the beginning of the year about dabbling in an online shop, um, which we're planning to launch either tail end of this month or beginning part of next month. These are things that my dad wouldn't have been against, but they probably wouldn't have been something that would have been high up on his radar to get done. In terms of leading the, the lads, um, we are, he's old school. My dad's been in shop fitting since the 70s. And his of the old, you know, pick your tools up and you can go and hop it and all the rest of it. And it's very a confrontational, old school way of working. We're much more softly, softly get everyone involved, sort the problems out between you, have a conversation and try and get everyone's un input and understanding. So, you know, they might have a better answer to a problem than we do. So we should always listen. So we're more, um, I suppose he'd call it touchy feely, but it's just more inclusive from that perspective. Um, so not say he's saying he's wrong. It's just that the generation is different. Everybody is different, and the way they react is different to how it used to be. So I think these are they were small steps that like we were moving our way across it. But then COVID hit, and now we we were like, right, okay, there's no reason, you know. I think we often put things like, oh, I'm going to do this here, and I'm going to do this there, and then that's lovely. But you go, why am I waiting until then? No, let's just just crack on. Let's just get on with it. So that's one of the main things I think and trying to make people more accountable outside and get them to understand that when they make a mistake, it has a consequence. So that they are understanding timeframes and, you know, the, the monetary side of things, which makes them obviously that everyone would like to have more money in their pocket. Well, there's one way they can help us to achieve that. And that's by making sure everything goes out right and on time and accurate. So I think they're more on board because that understanding the meaning behind the things that we're working with. So it has been simple, but it has been worth it, I think. Talking about leadership and staff, I, I'm so happy to hear you say what you're saying about including the team 
in sharing more information with them, getting them involved, um, you know, looking for their contributions and seeing the difference that that has made. Like if you were to score kind of employee engagement zero to 10, say five years ago and now, what would that contrast be? It would be big. It would be big. I would say that, I mean, five years ago, I think they just felt like they should be seen and not heard. Whereas now they are deaf, they have a voice. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I'm not perfect. So they probably rate us around an eight, I guess now. Whereas before they would probably have put us down, I don't know, four or five. So it would have been, it wouldn't have been as high as I would like to have seen, that's for sure. And I think they might have felt a bit, a bit left out and a bit disappointed at things. Whereas now they understand that they are valued and they are, they are included. You know, we're people, we're all people at the end of the day and we all want to feel valued. It's, it's not rocket science. So. Well, you wouldn't think so, would you? No, no. <laughs> but I, I was trying to think, when I do anything, I always try to think, how would I feel if that was me being treated in a certain way? Be it whatever setting, like if you're in a shop or you're buying, you know, talking to a new customer or talking to a new supplier. And you, you're right, you'd be shocked at how people react to people sometimes. And, you know, no one's perfect, but you do need to try and put yourself in the other person's shoes because it does help you. If you can see the bigger picture from all angles, then you have that strength, the whole, you know, perspective before you start your conversation. And it, it's not always simple to do, but it is a worthwhile exercise to try. So, I, I know in non-office-based environments, I think there traditionally is less emphasis on employee engagement and... Um, I think, you know, perhaps in and maybe it's that thing of the longer established firms that they were around when, OK, everyone was just grateful to have a job. Yeah. And I think there's a danger of, you know, going forward. Of course, there are lots of organizations who are making lots of redundancies. Employment is going up right now, uh, in particularly in certain industries. I, I don't think that's a reason to not focus on engaging our employees, though. I agree because ultimately if you engage your employees and you're having a sticky time, they're the ones that hopefully will pull you back out of the, the sticky time because you're working together as a team. So, and it doesn't cost you anything to do that. You know, that five minutes that you spend having a conversation could be worth so much more in the future. So yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Definitely. And, you know, engaged employees, they are more productive. They actually are more profitable to have as well. And, you know, a lot of employee engagement activities can be free. Um, I think the biggest thing often is just getting the leadership to think about, well, what could you do <laughs> and how you're leading, etc. Wonderful. Um, not all leaders are like that, though, are they? No. Um, you, you had, um, uh, <laughs> I know you had uh, one particularly... Uh, nasty what the flip moment <laughs> yes, in I your did. business <laughs> share with us about that um so before my brother paul decided to um join us in the family business um we, we my dad had decided that he wanted to retire a number of years prior and we decided to take on this chap that we'd known for years years and years and years and it transpired quite quickly but I, I say quite quickly, but I think it happened quickly, but we didn't notice the poison for a longer term. Um, that he was a bit of a monster, really. He um, 
he was very aggressive, very um, confrontational, picked on people. So he'd always have a target that he'd pick on. So it could be for any reason, uh, a couple of minutes late, tea, you know, mobile phone. I mean, all the, re all the things that are niggles and that you go, oh, I don't want you using your mobile phone. I, I have had to accept that mobile phones are a way of life and everybody has their mobile on them. So um, I don't turn a blind eye, but I have a healthy respect that if they need that they've got someone that needs to call them, that they will get a call from a family member potentially on their mobile. Times have changed. So he, um, he was just aggressive and rude. And what he actually ended up doing was we were uh, double busy in his mind. We weren't double busy. He was turning work away. He was making uh, the work last longer than it should do. So basically job creation. And I think if I'm honest, he was out of his depth. But he, he was too arrogant to admit it and too aggressive to approach about it. And he caused us a huge problem, which took a long time to, to rectify. We lost customers on the back of him, um, staff members on the back of him being here, and anxiety that I hadn't ever experienced that level, um, you know, which when you, I mean, I've, I don't say I haven't had anxiety through my life because I have, but that is beyond anything I'd experienced up to that point in my life so when it came to it we made him redundant and then set about rebuilding so I think the word for him is narcissistic because he was only interested in himself so and no one else and when he was there and you I mean like what was the tipping point? like how did you feel when, like, when you would wake up in the morning and oh. think about the day ahead what did that feel like awful I hated it I didn't want to come to work and if I didn't think he was coming in I felt a huge sense of relief uh, you know literally if he called in sick or if he was caught in traffic and then the minute he walked out the door you could feel the day drain away like the whole atmosphere was horrendous and there's nothing worse than waking up in the morning particularly when it's your family business and not wanting to walk to the front door of the building your parents are and it's ridiculous but it, I don't quite know how it got so bad it I, it just seemed to happen over a period of time it sort of i don't know the poison dripped through and it got gradually worse until one day we were like no actually this is you know we're losing money the company he will cause us to fold um which of course isn't isn't an option in my eyes so we made him redundant because he was in an expensive problem to be quite honest with you so yeah I don't like feeling intimidated and I try my hardest, but obviously sometimes those feelings can't be prevented. So you have to kind of do what you can to alleviate them. So, yes. A lot of the time when people talk about feeling intimidated, it's more of an internal thing. But what you're talking about is someone who's abusive. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, he was a massive bully. Yeah, my, my brother started here so I think that's what tipped him over the edge for his perspective he came here thinking he was going to lord it over everybody and take over and I think he's one of those people and sadly there's quite a few people like this in the world that they go into a business and they're the managing director or they're the director or they're whatever position of power it doesn't mean you don't work it doesn't mean you put your feet up on the desk it means you work three four five times as hard as the other people because it's your business it's your baby you want it to work you want it to succeed no one else is going to do it for you but he came in with this attitude i think that eventually he'd be made a director he'd be made a shareholder and it was all on a plate well it was a plate of nothing because he wasn't prepared to work hard 
to create anything that became so apparent and then when Paul joined us it made it worse because then he would probably be my brother as competition rather than as a, an ally which is what he should have done we could have grown it together could have been you know could have been monumental and it wasn't and he made my brother intimidated and you sit there and you think but with with the children of the people that own this business we shouldn't be feeling this way that's absolutely outrageous so it's up to us to deal with it isn't it no. Absolutely. And nobody should be made to feel that no. that way. No, definitely not. <laughs> but yes, I could see why it would be extra galling <laughs> in that circumstance. <laughs> so so go, going forward, like, what would you do differently when looking or what have you done differently when looking at recruiting to ensure you don't take on those rotten apples that spoil the barrel? Uh, to be honest with you, since that time, we've only recruited on one occasion and we, uh, well, I'm a believer in the gut because, you know, there is an element of that. On that occasion, we thought we knew the person and that was our mistake. Um, but we do have a list of questions. We don't use anything like um, psychometric tests or anything like those. Maybe we should. But I do believe in having a conversation and getting to meet a, f a person a few times finding out how they respond to an email, finding out how they respond if you make a call to them, and then just giving them a chance. But I think what we have become is more strict about the, the probation period. So that actually is key because you don't get to know someone over an interview and it's, you know, or a phone call, whatever. So you give them the opportunity for three months and people will never be able to keep up a facade for that period of time. I mean, that, that's why I was crossing myself with the previous chat because to be honest with you, his mask did slip. It just slipped slowly and I should have seen it originally at the first knocking and I didn't. So now I'm more acutely aware of that. I, I'm, I'm ready for it, if you like. I'm watching to see, does the mask slip? Am I going to get any problems? But this young lady we took on a year ago, no, touch wood, what you see is what you get. And that pleases me because that's who I am. What you see is what you get. There's no hidden agenda and there's no mask. And I believe if people are like that, then, you know, <laughs> life would be a lot easier honestly so yeah yeah I, I think being quite often those are the people who actually perform very well in interview as well yeah yeah because they're acting aren't they they're acting all the time it's when they don't have to act that they struggle so real life is the problem for them not not everything else so exactly so you've had some challenges in your personal life as well tell us more about that Okay, um, I've been fortunate enough to be with the same partner, um, married to my husband for 16 years, together 25, which is... Um, Congratulations. Thank you, I know. <laughs> I thought it wouldn't last, it's madness. But um, we didn't, we took our time doing everything. So we didn't get married until we'd been together for nine years. And I think because we've been together such a long time, we thought everything else was going to be smooth sailing. So when we decided it was our time to have a family, unfortunately, Mother Nature decided it was not. And after a while of trying, then we sought help. Uh, four attempts of IVF saw us with nothing other than um, yeah, a lot of disappointment and uh, a relationship that was struggling. And so we took a little bit of time out and then decided to go down the adoption route. And which took quite a long time. I think they've sped the process up now, but it took two years from start to finish before he moved in. And um, but at this month, next month, it will be eight years since our son moved in with us. 
So yes, so he was challenging already. We had a challenging time getting getting um, a son. And then um, when you first adopt, I don't know if many people know this, but the child often only can bond to one parent at a time. So in our instance, it was my husband. So I spent quite a long time trying to earn this small child's trust and, and affection, um, which took a while, I have to say, it took a while. And that can be quite tough. And then, um, He'd been living with us for about a year, just over a year maybe. And then they diagnosed him as autistic. So he's at special school and he um, can't read or write. He can talk, he can talk very well and he can certainly bark his demands and <laughs> get what he wants, mostly food, food or iPad. But he, um, he I have to say, he is the light of my life and I wouldn't ever change what happened i mean on the route you think oh god you know this is unfair but actually we've got the family that we we're probably always intended to have so you know i wouldn't have anything different but it has been has been different <laughs> on route i mean and you've you know in a small number of sentences you've summed up years yes <laughs> of personal challenges going on yes. so you know first of all i just want to say a i think that's great that you did go down the adoption route there's so many children out there that you know they want a loving family to be with so you know i i just i'm in awe oh, thank you <laughs> of you doing that i thank i you. think that's really amazing i think that's great um and you know and then to be presented with uh further challenges in in terms of uh his autism as well so what does that look like for you i mean you're the managing director of a business like what was going on with the business when so, all of this was happening okay well i mean in in my time here we've had a few 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 periods of challenges obviously we had a recession in 2008 so that was tough um but my personal life was okay around that time um I think I started IVF 2009, so it's sort of spun around the same time. So, and um, when we finally did um, have, were on the route to adoption, we also decided that year would be a great year to move house because why not do all things at the same time? And I took my off the ball that year. And the consequence was the following year was a flat year for us. And we had to really, really fight our way back out of it. So I am aware, acutely aware now that my focus, I need to be focused here to make sure, because at the end of the day, my focus is on him, making sure that he has the life he needs and that we can provide for him beyond beyond us. Um, so for us, we're a role reversal family. So we're completely off the wall. Everything we've done is completely different. So my husband, um, he was an actor um, on, in fringe theatre for a long time. And so he is the, um, the main person at home. He's the main carer and I'm the one at work. And because Mackenzie, uh, because he is um, so reliant on my husband, uh, which is fine because they bonded so tremendously well. And um, the social worker at the time said she'd never witnessed anything like that. Um, th it worked for them because he, he um, Steve, my husband is Mackenzie's world and together they are a great unit. So that works at home and I come to work and that works here. And then when we're together, we're fine. We're happy, ha happy family. So for us, um, this role reversal actually did work out to be the right way for us. Um, hasn't been without challenges for me because when he was younger, I did want to be at home and I had to have um, a good, good hard sink about priorities and about you know how it works and the main priority is that he's safe that he's loved that he's cared for and it doesn't matter which parent is the one that does that 
so and you know it was my own preconceptions of what parenthood looked like that was the problem at the time so yeah isn't it amazing what a mindset shift can achieve? It's phenomenal. <laughs> it is really <laughs> phenomenal. You just stop and think about what you actually want to get out of life and then think about where your mind's taking you. And that's something that's massively come out this year for me. But over the years, I, I guess I've had moments where of clarity where I've realised for myself. But this year I've been making conscious effort because, you know, so much of the mind is untapped anyway. So why, why am I not exploring it? So... Exactly. Well, it's it's something I've been exploring for many, many years. <laughs> and I think I will be for many years to come. <laughs> I think you will be. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm curious as to how things worked with, like, what was the adjustment like for Steve then in becoming the house husband? Wow. I mean, the, the thing with having a child that's nearly two years old besides anything else is huge adjustment for everybody so we went from a couple with two cats um in a new house to a couple with a child not even a baby a child so for him and for me it was all of a sudden he doesn't sleep particularly well so broken sleep um he's very demanding so for steve it's very he's on you know on call all the time because he's very demanding and now that he's nearly 10 he's um big enough to get into the sweet cupboard he's big enough to get into the fridge he's always looking for food he's like a bear he's constantly eating and i think even when he was very small when he couldn't reach things he was still very vocal about what he wanted so the trend it was a massive change because you you're used to your own space you're used to being able to do things when you like how you like grab your keys walk out the front door now it's like a military operation because you have to make sure you've got everything you need and i think that was a shock a complete shock at the beginning for us because you know we, we here he is get on with it and it's like okay there's no instruction manual and how do i how do i placate this small child who's you know had five homes and had various people dictate to him how he lives he's obviously and he's very very strong-willed and he obviously came to us with plenty of um that they say any child that's been in care doesn't matter if it's a day or if it's up to two years which we had in 22 months they will come with an amount of baggage and that's the stuff that needs to be unpicked on route so i think that was a big change as well because obviously trying to work out sometimes if things upset him because of because of just because or if they upset him because of something else so right yeah but mm. it it has had it's had many challenges um and it will always have challenges the problem with the challenges that accompany an autistic child is that there's no way of knowing what they might be because <laughs> they change so you know today he could sit very nicely in a chair tomorrow he might get up and throw everything all over the floor and you just don't know he has a wheelchair now because if we go out and about he can't be trusted near roads he's not safe and um but you know that took some getting to get that so it's just one for us i think it's just one big transition constantly so you roll with it don't you you learn to to adjust so. well i think this probably has given you some great resilience and tenacity that you're able to actually bring into your business i think so yeah because i do quite often i mean i look at him sometimes and i think he's so um he is really resilient you know he you know i don't think he remembers anything but it's hard to know because his language just isn't there but he's very resilient and because he does behave his way i think sometimes it makes me think about things differently here as well because it, it, not everything is black and white and everything is straightforward and people react to things in different ways because of many things 
they've had a bad night, they've had a row with their wife, they've had, had a, an incident of road rage, their pet died. There could be any number of reasons why someone's behaving a certain way. And sometimes it's, if you take a little step back and just have a think about it, maybe you can connect with that person or problem in a different manner. I'm not saying I always manage it because I'm only human and I, I make mistakes the same as everyone else, but I do try to think outside the box and, and spin it a little bit. It does make me think about things differently, you know, because he does. They, they, one of the things they said to us recently at school is that he's a problem solver. So for all of his not being able to speak, he can work out how to pull a chair over to one side of the room, unlock a door and run out the classroom. But you wouldn't really, and they don't expect that. And they're like, oh my God, he's just gone running off. And it's like, okay, but he will think things through. He does definitely have a thought process. So, it, you know, and it does make you think, well, everything has a, has a process. It's just sometimes you have to flip, flip it around. So. Absolutely. Let me ask you something. If I was to ask you to give me £10 or dollars or euros, whatever your particular currency is, and I guaranteed to give you 100 back and then followed through and did so, would you want to do it again? Of course you would. <laughs> That's a 10 times return on your investment. Well, today I want to share with you a resource that is very similar. Okay, now this resource is not for everyone. For instance, it's not designed for startups, okay, who, people who are only just starting out. It's really only beneficial for a more established business who are typically turning over at least late five figures through six figures up to the early seven figures. Plus, the business owners need to want to increase their profits and how much they are personally taking home. They need to be open-minded about learning new principles and strategies and be prepared to implement what they discover. Well, what is it that I'm talking about? It's a session where I'll help you to unlock at least 50K of extra hidden revenues in only 50 minutes without spending a penny more on marketing or advertising. And that's guaranteed. Now, please understand that this is not a discovery call in disguise. It's more than a session, in fact. It's a fully fledged, standalone little mini program that combines some training, strategies and coaching. You might be sceptical and wonder, how can I possibly do that? Well, it's a combination, combination of things. So before the session, you'll do a 50-minute video training that explains why most small business marketing doesn't work as well as you'd like and what to do instead. Now, I've even had experienced marketers scratching their heads saying, wow, I'm not doing this myself <laughs> when they've watched that video. Okay, Second thing, in the session itself, I use our proprietary business assessment software, which has millions of algorithms that help us to evaluate different strategies to see which ones would be most profitable for you. And thirdly, you'll also do a personality profile test that helps me to guide you to the particular strategies that are most suited to you or perhaps the person who would be implementing these strategies. And of course, I've been coaching and consulting in one form or another since 2003. So of course, my experience comes into play here too. Now, even though I'm guaranteeing the session and if I don't find you the guaranteed amount, you won't pay a penny. I'm not even asking for the whole amount up front. You just pay a small deposit and then only pay the rest once I've shown you the money. Want to know more? Head over to the webpage now at creativeflow.tv. 50k. So that's the number 50, number K. Or click the link in the description. Let me give that to you again. It's creativeflow.tv forward slash 50k. 
Okay, we've come to time for our speak up statistic. Okay. So according to research done by Kellogg Northwestern University, women lay off less employees than men. Okay, that's interesting. I think um, probably it's the yin and yang, isn't it? So people probably start being sexist, but I think women tend to be a little bit more empathetic to people and will try to find other solutions. The first, a lot of people this year, I, in my humble opinion, because I'm not right necessarily, have approached the problems with their money with the getting rid of people. It isn't necessarily, especially a lot of people, that isn't necessarily the right way forward because some of those people might have the skill sets to push your business out of the problem. But I think there's a lot of knee-jerk reaction. And I think men do tend to make snap decisions a lot more than women. Women tend to mull stuff over. In my experience, working with my father and my brother, they both tend to be more snap decisions with me sitting there going, well, hang on, let's just have a breather. Let's return to this conversation in 10, 20 minutes, half an hour. Because, you know, there might be another resolution. There might not be. There might That might be the, the best way forward. But I, not always. Not always. It doesn't surprise me that that way, though, to be fair. You just made me think about uh, the book from Alan and Barbara Pease, uh, Why Women Can't Read Maps and Men Can't... I can't remember what men can't do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know the one you mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but they talk about, like, when a man and a woman go into a room full of people, what women do is they scan the room and they immediately suss out different relationships and dynamics and things like that. And what men tend to do is they look for the exits. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's probably very true, actually. Yeah. yeah no, they actually have done research with wow. brain scans. Yeah, they've. Um, it's a very interesting book. Um, now, I, I, I think with all of these things, you've all there's always exceptions. Oh, you know? yeah. So, for instance. Um, like in some ways I'm quite feminine, but I actually have got extremely good spatial relations, which tends to be a more masculine trait. Okay. Uh, so I actually can play Tetris and I can park no problem and <laughs> things like that. Um, uh, so, you know, we've always got to take things with a grain of salt. It's yes. not about women are always like this. Men are no. always like that. There no. are always exceptions to the rule. However, uh, they did do a lot of brain scans and discovered about how women, they, they, they call it the network effect, if I remember correctly. And it's just that different parts of the brain around language and things really light up in women in situations when they won't with men. Okay. So I think there's definitely something there that I think accounts for, you know, your thoughts on this uh, statistic yeah i think um women bring women are undervalued not undervalued because i'm not joining into that conversation but they're um people don't men don't always grasp what we're trying to say i think because they're so direct and more black and white perhaps i mean that's what people say about me and paul he's black and white i'm every shade of gray under the sun and it's that's how we how we're making this work because we're complete yin and yang to each other but he's very respectful and he understands that and that's lucky but not i think there's an awful lot of men out there particularly sounds really old oldest but older chaps um like my dad's age that probably are less inclined to see they, they probably think it's like a hokum 
and you know no that's not you know that's ridiculous but actually i think there's a lot to be said about it because we are different you know and it just is just, just is there's no arguing about it this just is <laughs> and, and i think there's a lot to be said it's about harnessing the strengths of each gender and everything in between yes you know yeah. let's be let's be inclusive in that way as well and just really understand that like there are so many different traits whether they're masculine feminine or nothing to do with that yep that when we harness those and collaborate and work together then we can achieve amazing oh, things oh definitely it's, it, you're right, it's including everybody and it's listening to everybody and it's having giving everyone the, everyone the opportunity to have a voice and even if you don't disagree, at least having the courtesy to listen. And then, you know, quite often what you'll find is 10 things might be not rocking your boat, but the 11th is the right thing, it's the right sentence, it's the right idea. And if you don't give people an opportunity to speak, how are you ever going to find out? So, Absolutely. And I think the other thing is, and there is a tendency for people to just go, oh, let's cut the, you know, there's these challenges coming up or we're facing this right now. When actually, if they worked with their staff, as you said, they might have the skills, the ideas to get them out and to create uh, an even stronger, better business that makes more of an impact as well. So, yeah, there's like this, there's so many different ways of approaching things. And I know I have heard of different companies who've done things like they've reduced hours, they've maybe taken temporary pay cuts, um, you know, that they've done things so that people can keep their jobs yep. and be able to get through these times. Now, I th- there are times occasionally where, you know, making redundancies may well be a necessity. And if that is the case, hesitating over it is not a good idea because then people are just going to get into more and more trouble yeah and <laughs> um, yeah you've, it's being able to make that distinction though and I think trying things yeah. before you get to that point I think people just look at if they're just looking at the black and white numbers and yeah. going well our salary bill is our biggest cost so the best thing we can do is just make that smaller it's not taking a holistic, strategic view of the business and what actually could be done instead. I agree. And I think a lot of companies have got rid of the key people that probably have the ability to get them out of it. So there are companies out there, quite a few of them, that have got rid of sales teams. And it's like, but surely the sales team is the team that should be out there knocking on the doors because you need to be, you know, A, getting in touch with all your customers and engaging with them and trying to increase their spend with you and and try let's make some new friends because there's plenty of people out there. For everybody that's having a bad time, there are a few out there that are thriving and you just need to turn those stones over and find the ones that are thriving because they're the ones that hopefully you make good good relationship with them and they'll help you through the sticky period but if you haven't got anybody out there to do that for you then you either have to do it yourself which is a big job for i mean business owners like myself we've we're tired it's been a tough year but they can only do so much it's only 24 hours in a day and we all need to sleep so if they if they do that then they're cutting off their nose in a certain extent despite their face i'm not saying everybody's like it because obviously i'm not knowing everybody but i do believe there are a certain number of people that have been made redundant that possibly their skills could have pushed them back into where they needed to be quicker so it's a sad it's a sad year for a lot of people so you just made me remember someone who I spoke to who worked in the insurance industry and in the 2008 recession, their firm hired all the salespeople, all the other insurance firms were letting go. 
Wow. Yeah. Oh my not, days. Not every single one of them. But yeah, but all the good <laughs> ones. Yeah. Yeah, but they they doubled down on their marketing, they doubled down on their sales, and they absolutely thrived through the recession. See, it's all about it's all about strategy, isn't it? It's all about strategy, mm-hmm. and, and it's all about determination and tenacity, and it's that kind of keep going forward. We've doubled down on our marketing. That's what we've been working hard on this year because that's the thing, you know, like you said before, visibility. So it's key, isn't it? You get noticed, you get people get to know you, they get to see who you are and, and like and engage with you. And hopefully you gain relationships on the back of it. So. Absolutely. Nicola, what would be some t- takeaways that you would like listeners to take on board for their journey? Think before you make decisions. Don't make them, don't make rash decisions because you, you make a decision today, you can regret it for a very long time. And, um, make some plans and try and stick to them i'm not saying that i'm the best at this because i like to have lots of plans and then have to hone down but i've been double downing on those this this year to try and achieve more i think be focused think about what you want to do some earlier we talked about your marketing don't try and go after the next shiny button find what you're good at find out where your customers hang out and increase your presence there make make yourself known and make make some good relationships but be the person that you want to deal with well absolutely i love that be the person you want to deal with i think that's great advice for anyone in any situation (laughs) good thank you (laughs) wisdom is always widely applicable it is and it's always it's always good to to um i i try to take notice of what i read and see and and, and take on board if i think something's good and and, and listen to other people because what they say is valuable so people don't just give you advice for no reason they give it because they care and because they want you to succeed so at least have the time to listen to it even if you're not going to take it so you know there's no you don't have to take everyone's advice but you know some of it's going to be good uh, it- Sometimes even being advised badly makes you go, no, 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 actually this. And yes. it can help clarify what you really think. Definitely. <laughs> it just gets that brain going right where you need it to go, doesn't it? So, yes. Yeah, because if they're saying something and you're, especially if you're intuitive and you're kind of going, mm, something doesn't quite feel yeah. right about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think this other thing. Yeah, and it pushes your hand, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. And I think, as you say, listening and being respectful to people as, lo- as long as they're being respectful too, is always a good strategy. Um, I, I want to go back to one piece of your advice there about planning. I'm just curious as to, so do you do plans for the year or shorter periods? Like how, how do you do your planning? Um, this year we've been different so we started off with our plan and obviously it got tipped up so um what i've done this this year is i had a, a number of plans um to try and increase my visibility try and increase who i am try and increase the business's visibility as a consequence because whatever i do reflects on the business so uh, we've been um I joined, I've done a lot of coaching this year, if I'm perfectly honest, and I've joined a coaching group. And the idea of this coaching group is the last few months of the year is we're going to smash them out, we're going to have our goals, but you're being held accountable. So when I'm planning, what I would say is key is find someone as your accountability partner, someone that's going to make you stick to what you say you're going to do. Because it's no good saying today, right, I'm going to do LinkedIn, I'm going to focus on LinkedIn and next week you're doing Facebook, because they aren't the same. And actually your attention is scattered. 
and I'm the world's worst for this so I, I speak with a lot of experience your, your attention is scattered but actually your results will also be scattered whereas if you double down on one thing that you know you're good at you know people are going to find you then they're engaging with you already maximize that and stick what we've agreed is sticking to three goals because three goals are more manageable and then we have a monthly call and we go through the goals and we find out how we're achieving these goals and a weekly accountability beginning and end what's our goal for the week and how do we get on with it and what she's plonked in the middle is what's our frog so what's the one thing that you're putting off you're procrastinating about eat your frog and there's a book out there called that which i intend yes. to read as well and <laughs> i i do believe eat that frog brian yeah. tracy I yeah believe. I think there's a lot to be said in that because we do, um, I can't say that I don't know anyone that doesn't have something on their list that they go, I'll do that tomorrow. And actually there's a lot to be said to get shot of the frog and then you've got more time, more clarity to focus actually on the things that matter to you. And another bit of advice I would give is try and find things that you enjoy doing because you're much more likely to be productive and do well at them. So if doing LinkedIn don't like your, likes your fire or Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, and, and you know you're doing well with it, do it more because it's going to make you happy. That's going to come across and you're definitely going to build your business on the back of it. So, and it all sounds really simple when I say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think this is why like, one of the reasons I do personality profiling with my clients is to help them to make sure that choosing strategies that are in flow for them, they're the things that they will be more productive at that are much less likely to procrastinate over because they feel even if they have to learn how to do it, it's somehow they innately already know yeah. that natural ability is there. They might just need to learn a bit of knowledge or a skill or just practice something. Yeah. And it, there's a real sense of relief of kind of, oh, huh, I know how to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting. And sometimes when I found this year, because that's something that really I've changed up since um, I, I changed it, I started doing it last year. But it's another thing that this year is forced upon me is this kind of coaching and it, these dealing with coaches is it unlocks it unlocks something. So obviously, you know, I've, I've been dealing with Taz and um, well, it's brilliant because it's it, every time my brain goes Ping! and it, it moves on in another direction. But I don't think these things would necessarily be unlocked without that little bit of external influence because your brain isn't, you're not trained to find that yourself, are you? Your own hidden treasure. Look, as a coach, I can't always do it for myself either. So there's, you know, <laughs> I've, I've had coaching this morning. I have yeah. coaching all the time of different kinds as well. So I've, I've had mindset coaching for years. That's helped me make major, major shifts. I have business coaching. I've had coaching over particular marketing techniques and things. So yeah, absolutely. It's, I think we, we can always learn having that external support is amazing. And particularly when it has got the accountability with it as well. Um, and yeah, and that's one of the reasons I was asking about the planning that you do, because what I have found works well for me and for my clients is to focus in on 90 day um, is to yeah. focus in on 90 day plans yeah. that are very specific. And of course, you can then communicate that with your team. It's tangible. Um, and as long as I think the biggest. Well, I think there's two key issues with planning for so many small businesses. One is I'm not doing it. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's something like over 60 percent of small business owners do not have a have a plan. Yeah. Um, I can agree with that thing. 
Yeah, and then the second thing is that when they do plan, it's for too long a period, so it doesn't feel real. It's a bit hard to grasp what you need to be doing on a day-to-day basis for something that's happening six, ten months down the line. Yeah. Whereas if it's happening in the next 12 weeks, then it feels real, it feels prescient. And so... Uh, I think the tendency when people do year long plans is they also over plan and they, you know, because we, you know, look, as entrepreneurial people, we tend to have lots of ideas, which is wonderful. It's brilliant. And it's a curse. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) You know, because we can't do all the ideas all at once, much as we would love to, particularly for those of us who are more creatively minded and might be a little bit impatient. So mm, yes, definitely <laughs> me. <laughs> so we may be similar in some of these respects, Nicola. So yes, being able to really focus in on, okay, I'm going to focus on these few things in this short time period. And then I have the support I need. I have the accountability I need. So it's great that you are doing that because yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you're already seeing the difference and you know, help you moving forward. Definitely. Because when you said about small businesses, I would say to a certain extent, I mean, we, we always had things going on and we always had ideas of what we were doing. But I mean, I think a lot of it was in my dad's head and he didn't share it. And it, it felt a little bit like we were winging it sometimes. I mean, maybe he didn't feel that way because I've, I've been able to sit down and talk to him and he go, well, yeah, well, I want to do this, this and this. And I'm like, oh, no one else knows that. So, I mean, so the guys outside aren't necessarily as aware of what I've got planned, but in, in the office, everybody's aware. And I'm, I'm making sure to do things like, like I mentioned, my presentation training. That was very key. And now I'm headed, and I feel quite a sense of accomplishment that actually I'm well on the road and I'm meeting my target. So whereas it could have just been, well, I'm going to get around to it. I'm forced to, to actually do it. So you're right. The, the 90 day thing is, yeah, it's a really good idea. And I think I might need to skim mine back to 90 days rather than I think <laughs> <laughs> I think I was, mine was a bit longer. <laughs> OK, well, great. I'm glad that's been helpful for yes, you. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Thank you. You're very welcome. And look, one other thing that I'd like to add as well is why not share your plans with the lads as well? It's not that just I've because got a problem- they're. I, I don't yeah. have an issue with it. I just don't. I think it's more that because the, one of the one of the downsides of since we've come back to work with all this going on is apart from seeing them come in, most of them stay apart because of the social distancing. So we don't tend to be able to have that, you know, that big meeting that we maybe would have done. Um, I'm going to try and do one soon because we can mm. move, we can social distance. It just means I've got a shout. And, you know, which is fine. I'm quite capable of shouting. Get a megaphone. <laughs> Stand on a chair. That's what they'd all say. So, so I don't, I think some of it might be that they're not that bothered. They're not that interested because for them, my plans for doing a presentation to suppliers will, as long as I bring in business and keep them happily churning out because they like doing what they do. They enjoy it. It's a skill and they like the finished article. I think that's what keeps them happy is that we love their their stuff what they produce and we regularly put it on social media because that gives them that sense of that was mine i made that so alison puts it on instagram all the time so that's where we do our most of our visual stuff um so for, for me it's not about that i have a problem with sharing i'm just not sure they're that that they trust us i think to be getting on with growing the business in here and giving them something to make look beautiful out there but I will talk to them to see if they're, you know, because I do ask their ideas. 
Definitely. I mean, because you never know what someone is going to come up with that could be the the next big thing. Yes. Or actually, more likely, the lots of little ideas yeah. that actually really increase your profitability. Definitely. The reason we're doing the online shop is because one of them said to me about a year ago that he thought we should use old stock. And that is our plan because um, we've got quite a lot of stock in the, in the back. It's just been time. Time's been against us, but now we're forcing it. So hopefully that will please him. Although it took a very long time to get his idea out there, it did actually come from one person. And I will be keen to make him aware of that fact. So you're right. People, you know, years ago when we did Investors in People, the lady that trained us there, she said, when your employees walk in the door, I think I said this to you before, you don't want them taking their brain off and hanging it up with their, with their coat. And it sticks in my mind that, just because they're out there and that we're in here doesn't mean that they haven't got brilliant ideas that they're just not bothering to tell me. So absolutely, I do try. there's there's companies who have done all sorts of initiatives to get ideas from you know from their staff, uh, you know, with various incentives and things like that. Yeah. And it absolutely has made a massive, massive difference to the fortunes of the company. So yeah, I I'm just a big believer on getting staff involved and quite often particularly for staff who have never been involved before they will not react positively or not that interested in the beginning there'll be a small pocket of people that'll be like oh this is great and this is another way we're being valued and other people are just like yeah and they don't really care but over time it cannot but help have a positive impact and i think the number of people you know, who actually then really start to engage more. And even if they don't say anything and they don't do anything, you don't know that on Friday night down the pub, when somebody is saying, oh, who do you know? I'm looking to, uh, I'm looking for to swap. Uh, I want a new employer. And they go, actually, our place is really cool. You yeah. know, they do this and they do that and they do the other. And they might not say anything to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're part of that. They're part of your employer brand. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're absolutely right now. We'd, we'd like to think of them as all family, really, because we're like one big family. But with the family, you have arguments as well. So I suppose there's always a downside. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's, you know, as long as there isn't the the kind of monsters th- thing going on. Yeah disagreements are not a bad thing it's about having productive conflict and that's all about the level of trust that there is between the people concerned isn't it totally absolutely yes. fantastic nicola it's been wonderful speaking with you here today where can people find out find you and find out more about your business Okay, you can find out more about me on LinkedIn if you like. I'm Nicola Barden, so you'll find me on LinkedIn. My business is BSF Solid Surfaces Limited, and do feel free to have a look at the website, which is www.bsfsolidsurfaces.com. Bit of a mouthful, I know. So, but yeah, drop me a line. I'm always happy to have a chat, and I'm always posting on LinkedIn, so I'm sure if you have a little look, you'll find me there. Thank you very much. <laughs> And that's all for today, folks. Make sure that you subscribe to get more of this juicy goodness for your business and check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Enjoyed this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed so you too can grow a fun-to-run, highly profitable business that increases your impact and your creative flow. If you'd like to know more about that, let's arrange to hop on a call. You can set that up at creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una. 
That's creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una.